We are live. This is the actual origins of this podcast. It we're is. literally sitting on, on the, the mat. Anniversary, right? <laughs> on the anniversary, right? On the what? The four-week anniversary. <laughs> we're literally on the mats, uh, just real Brazilian style, just chilling, and we're getting ready for class. So this is not your typical Saturday. We're actually recording on a Tuesday because I will be in a different dimension this weekend as I go to a music festival. But... Um, but yeah, this is where we started having our chit chats, and and we just decided why not record it because I don't know if you saw, but a year ago today, did you see my memory that I posted? Yeah, and I think that's what like so what he's referring to is he shared a memory on Facebook where he literally used the term BJJ and bruise, and I think that's what's in my subconscious when I came up with the name. Yeah. So I didn't come up with it. You came up with it, and I just I I actually it. Paul came up with it. Okay. So, like, the origin of that is um, there was a Friday night, and Paul was like, Paul had posted a photo of like a six pack of beer, and he's like, anybody who taps me out at Randor tonight gets the six pack. If you can't, then um, then we all get to share it. Oh, I thought so, it was gonna roll over. It would be like a bigger pot next week. <laughs> oh yeah. So like, so that's what. So I I don't train on Fridays, so I couldn't make it. So I I was like, all right. So I posted a picture of another six pack. I'm like, well. No, everybody's going to tap me out, so I'll just bring a 12-pack, we all just get to share it. And then Troy, the purple belt, I think he might have been a blue at the time, chimed in. He's like, I'll bring something, too. So it, it like just snowballed in this giant, fun thing, and uh, that's where BJJ and Bruce became an actual thing. And so that was only a year ago. That was slightly more than a year ago, okay. was the actual thing. I feel like BJJ it had the appearance of something that's been going on since the inception of No, the like the actual like Saturday, the Saturday beer thing? That's yeah. a pretty, I think that's like an off the books thing, but like, since I'm just all about transparency and I just throw everything in the face of everybody, um, I think that's where it became a thing thing. So okay. established. So you came in here percolating with ideas, you said, stream of consciousness. Stream of consciousness. So earlier you sent me a link to something that yeah. I thought was pretty interesting. I, I, I like where it's going, but I think it's going to... We'll have to discuss that, right? So you sent me a link to something called um, BJJ flowcharts, which I'm not sure how copyright-wise this works, or maybe he's getting a cut of it. But evidently, this guy took. Um, oh all yeah, we might the... get this incriminate this guy. Oh my! Well, he's advertising. <laughs> well, he's advertising. So it was an advertisement that popped up on my Instagram feed, and I immediately like sent it to Chris because I thought it was interesting. Just to describe it, it's. Um, the concept of they've actually done a flow chart or I would also maybe call it a concept map of um, what you like, which are positional hierarchies, but including, yes. I think, action and reaction. I mean, I haven't delved into it, but... It's like it's, heuristics, right? Like, it, it's like a, a series of like if-then sort of like... Yeah, things, right? exactly. As a software engineer, it makes perfect sense to me because to me, it makes, if you want to program a robot how to do jujitsu, you could do it this way. And as his example, he's taking... Like the instructionals from Don, uh, John Danaher. And that's or, literally what he's doing. He even has on there John Danaher. Sure. He's doing that in Gordon Ryan, which are very systemized, very almost uh, algorithmic in their approach in terms of, you know, this is what you're trying to work for. If your opponent does the following, your, natu your reaction should be this, and that's how he defines the system. So what they're doing is they're actually mapping it out on a, I guess a piece of paper it looks like, like a big poster. I like how so, they keep the uh, the thumbnail extremely small so people can't just screenshot it. I know, exactly. I'm like, ah, I see what you did there. And they had some people vouching for it. Um, Gordon Rye himself said, this this is amazing, I think, right? I don't know. 
I, I clicked the website. Okay. So I saw like, and Michael Zenga, the owner of Fanatics and whatever it is, said, this is awesome and this is very well done or whatever the case is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's endorsed by the man, by the men themselves, not not Dan Hur yet. But so a, Dan Hur and Gordon Hur have to be getting a cut of this. They, I would imagine, right? Because like they're sort of like huge yeah. honor for me, <laughs> guys. <laughs> Um, but how does that work, right? Like, from is that intellectual property? Like, is jujitsu intellectual property? Well, those DVDs are. Okay, but I mean, but I guess because they're citing it, like, yeah. shouldn't they be? Like, how does that work? Number one, I would imagine. I don't know the legalities of it, but it, let's say that he did this with the blessing of those. Okay. Like, he's using their names. It's either just a blessing, or they are getting a or some sort of financial blessing. You might say, yeah, or it's or it's like some sort of licensing. Okay, so this lens, I I see things like this, and I love it, right? Because to me, like the more tools available to teach somebody, and I'm a very like process based person when I learn, um, the better it is for the students, Um, because not everybody is. I mean, jujitsu is tactile by nature. But not everybody is an auditory learner. Not some mm-hmm. people are visual. Some people need to see, like, to to have this web of things out for somebody to available to them to see and visualize, and to literally to, to map out the the possibilities of the hierarchy of systems within systems. I think it's great. Now, my question to you though is, I remember, and and I'm maybe. JB's listening, maybe he's not, right? but he's, he's here with us in spirit. You know, I think you and I can both agree, Noah, that like Don, Danaher right now might be the most well thought, I don't know, it's like, I think he's, he's put it to paper. held in high regard. Yeah, he's definitely held in high regard because he's been able to articulate and uh, he's done a very, very good job conveying many of the ideas involved with what makes effective jujitsu. Yes, and I think I wouldn't discount the fact that whether he directly is part of it or not, um, there's a strong marketing campaign around his ideas. Sure. So they're being propagated and disseminated more. I mean, I'm sure they're brilliant people operating in relatively obscurity, you know, that are unknown. I'm not, di- I'm not disregarding. No, 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 yeah, I'm, yeah, just, I'm yeah. not dis- I'm not Yeah, whoever's the know, best discounting what, Yeah, I'm not discounting... Um, the impact he's having and and the importance of his ideas. I'm just I'm just want to recognize that he. It's also the result of what's being seen. Like no, yeah, sure. I mean, like, perception is reality. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, but so JB, I mm-hmm. remember we had we, both you and I, or you more so, had talked to JB about like Danaher and blah blah, blah mm-hmm. and the series of tapes, and this was when Enter the System started coming out. Sure. And JB was just like, "This is shit," right? Like, or or I forgot what his ultimate like. Like why he just did not like Dan Hur, and he says something along the lines of being arrogant, which that's that's beside the point. But like I forgot what his reasoning was exactly. I mean, I felt like I, I can't I can't recall specifically when he was talking about Dan Hur being arrogant. That might have been a conversation he had with you, but I do know he very much was. JB always talked about um, working with what your opponent gives you. Okay, and. I'm not saying Danifer, Danaher flies in um, in the face of that, but he's kind of like, I think maybe from JB is sort of like spelling it out for you, like he's connecting all the dots for you. This is the system, like sure. this is what it is. And JB is, I think, a little more organic, a little more dynamic, a little more 
um, you know, kind of self-discovery. And and that's sort of a thing too, right? Because like, um, like Keenan talks about like Keenith. Keenan, yeah, <laughs> awesome. Um, if no one knows what we're talking about, you have to watch, the, listen to the Matt Bird podcast, or watch. I or think watch. You I can watch it on YouTube. YouTube. Um, Shout yeah. out to them. Yeah. So, guys, yeah, we know how this works, right? Um, uh, <laughs> Maybe but, two years from now, they'll, they're, they're like, like, "Oh, okay. this random brown belt and blue belt." Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, shout out to you guys. Um, but. You know, Keenan actually talks about the idea of, or actually, was it also the purple belt who you had um, interviewed in Maine? Oh, Chris. Uh, yeah, that yeah, his name was Chris. Chris. I was going to say Brandon K-R- for some reason. K-R-I-S. Very, very Nordic of him. Yeah. Um, but is it better for a student to learn a very systemized approach to training, or, or a systemized approach to jiu-jitsu versus the sort of organic self-discovery like which which is the truer jujitsu obviously one's on one extreme spectrum and one is on the other spectrum right and and at what point does it become somebody's an excellent technician versus somebody's an excellent artist and how much of that is or in an ideal world given the same person they both end up learning the same conclusions Danner just happened to find it quicker well, I think so. I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying before about different types of learners. I think, like my initial reaction, you said, "Well, we'll save it, save it for the podcast." But my initial reaction was the flow, um, the flow charts, or the concept map of jujitsu systems, in and of itself, uh, is. Let, let me put it this way: if By the, the way, person- we look totally gay right now. What? You what? and I were laying here with our, like, on our sides with our elbows. Propped. Sorry, go on. I mean, we're just chilling on the mats here. What do That's you a great shirt, by the way. Um, so, hang on. Bro, are those Texas MMA shorts? No. They are. They're Truth Fightwear. Holy oh. shit. That is so old. That is old as fuck. I have the same pair. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Go on. We interact with the gym people as they walk by here. Um, That's like 2004, bro. Right? Anyways. Vintage. Vintage. Well, you've got the old, like, um, what was it? The uh, Ultimate Fighter. Oh, yeah. Team, American <laughs> Top Team. Well, who are they going against? That was against uh, uh, Black House. The Bla- Black House, not or, the Black no, no, Zillions? Black Zillions. Black, Black yeah. Zillions, okay. Black House became Black Zillions? We'll have to look that up. I'm not, anyway, I don't know. regarding the uh, the concept maps, I think, I think if a student actually did that themselves, much like taking notes, okay. that's an incredible learning tool. I think it might help them retain knowledge. It might help them from a test-taking point of view. But in terms of actual execution and roles, which I think we probably give a much higher weight to in general, mm-hmm. I would think. Like, I think you want to be able to do it more so. I, I don't know. I, you want to be able to do it. And you don't want to just be some uh, academic that can recite Systems, but has never actually done the systems. You okay. know, like I could oh, memorize oh. a practice, I could memorize a concept map, and I could kind of explain here to here, here to here. And but that's the thing is like using it as a tool versus. Yes, yeah, so it's I mean, a mechanism yeah. that helps a certain type of student that learns better that way, great. But I think um, the athletic endeavor of rolling, and when you figure in the variety of variables that you just can't account for in a concept map which is your strength your opponent's strength your dimensions his dimensions or her dimensions you know like there's a lot there are a lot more variables than just a simple 
opponent does this, you do that. And I don't know to what depth that these concepts. Yeah, I mean, because I couldn't screenshot it and pirate it. No, that. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> but just wait. I'm sure it was more. I would imagine it would be action reaction, as opposed to if you're yeah. playing a good spider guard player that's long. That, and that's the thing, right? Like, because they're we have four limbs for you know or four limbs and, and torso, but like when you factor in things like orientation, like how deep did does this web? That's no, what's so addictive like, about jujitsu, right? Like, I'm I'm so curious as to like, because like butterfly guard, right? Like, if I'm butterfly guard, I'm uh, supine. No, super, supine is be- belly up, right? Yeah. Yeah, pr- prone is belly down. If I'm supine versus sitting up, those are two completely different butterfly guards, right? Yeah. So like, if there's an open guard web there, like that has to be two separate branches, right? And then within that, there's like there also has to be orientation in relation from me to you. Like if you're on, you know, directly in front of me versus if I have like a shin, a shin hook in, you know, like how, it's a good idea. I'm curious as to where they are in execution, just because like the, as a tool, it's excellent, but I could only imagine using it to really focus in on like, you know, if it's a, if it's a 10 by 10 thing, like you can only really only focus on like one bubble at a time realistically yeah. and spend a season on that you know like oh absolutely so i again it, it's let, let's assume that it's a pretty comprehensive concept map i think that's something that takes years almost maybe you would argue what it would take to be a black belt oh sure to, like, to really understand that so i think me personally my my inclination is to say if the student was doing that themselves that would be i think really productive just being given that I'm sure it can be helpful, but, and, and it's interesting to organize the information that way. It makes sense. But I think each person, just with any subject, has to build a concept map in their head, however they do it, and how they associate things. Sure. And, and we generally, I think, operate with, with um, past knowledge. So if I had a background in wrestling, I'm sure that I would be associating movements with wrestling. I'd be adding to what I already know in order to make sense of the new the new new as we like to say Um, so but so does so just go out and roll yeah I mean ultimately go out and roll right but like if what is what is truer jujitsu alright here we go the martial artist is it which is truer jujitsu though like so from a teaching standpoint I could see those as an excellent tool Mm -hmm. right like but as a student standpoint, I can see like the idea of li- sitting there listening to class versus listening and taking notes. Is, it's almost always a better learning experience mm-hmm. for the student, right? Um, but like, I guess ultimately it's implementation of like what it's used for. If it's used for like this is how I'm learning jujitsu, I'm just staring at a fucking piece of paper. But you know, but if the person has that next to the mat and stuff like that, and they're spending thirty minutes for a class rolling with somebody, like, oh, let's go back to that and see what was available really, and where do we miss out? Then sure. Um, but like, what are your thoughts on? like the idea of because uh chris up in maine purple belt um i didn't i listened to the entire podcast but i didn't quite catch how often he's like learning from somebody like that wasn't clear i mean he told me he's you know he's teaching around 12 classes a week and that's probably a mixture of gi and no gi right so he's on the mats, at least that's much. And how much of that is, at this point, and this sort of, we can delve into that rabbit hole in a moment. So, and I have, I'm having the same conversation with my friend up in um, 
uh, Colorado who just got awarded his, his brown belt is at what point is it that it's you're, you're self-taught you're developing your game you're developing your teaching style while also if you're running a gym trying to teach other people and foster them as well right um, and having to remove your own game from teaching because there is a difference right like because if you go to a gym and everybody rolls the same in in my opinion in most people's opinion that's a bad instructor right because everybody's body type is different everybody's weight is different everybody's personality is different everybody should be rolling differently given the same fundamentals in an ideal scenario i agree with that yes right but in, in, in an idealistic scenario. sense in an do idealistic you think so sense. because like i think it's impossible for i think i think an instructor can strive to teach the broadest set of techniques like the biggest globe but i think it's impossible given how how true broad i mean yeah you know. but like like you had sort of described when you and, went and to i'll give you globe an, I'll give right? an example right away it's because we've got one body have you ever rolled in a five foot two 130 pound body I have not, right? You know, have I rolled in in you know Javon's rip to you know two twenty five body, right? Or a guy right. like Xander who's you know two thirty, you know played football. It's like th- their experience is. I, I just feel like not their experience, but just the fact that we're in our body type means that we're already limited to some scope right. of what we're able to teach because it's such a physical game. It's so, not like another sport where you're. In, in jujitsu, we're literally dealing with the entanglement of our bodies. So our body dimensions right. and our athleticism play a role. Play a huge role. Play a, a, a fundamental a, role. So it's like, you know, what um, what would a coach who's athletic bring exactly. to the table versus a, a coach that's not athletic? And ideally, I would think, or somebody like an Eddie Bravo or like someone like a Kai Otera, right? Mm-hmm. Who's like four foot three or whatever it is. He's like a hobbit, right? <laughs> so like he... How does he go about teaching, or how does Chris? Was he a fairly large guy? I mean, he sounded like he was. A, Chris a is like guy. Troy size. Troy size. All right. So, yeah. like, how does he go about teaching a jujitsu to the woman that's in class? You know, like, and and also being like a lower belt, not not lower belt, but like, you know, according to Abi Jeff, he shouldn't be teaching blah blah blah. You know, um, that's a that's a big challenge too, right? So that takes a lot of self discovery and a lot of self teaching, especially without a a higher rank overseeing his development. That's going to be a huge challenge. So like, does he sort of like self teach, do a lot of like experimenting on the mat, that sort of thing. And then like once a year to go and get sort of like calibrated by like a higher belt or I, I can't answer that. That question definitively would have to ask him. I can tell you that one thing that struck me and I mentioned it at the end of the podcast with him, which I thought was cool is that he was working with Naya who was, uh, a white belt and relatively new like I think she said two months she'd been training yeah, yeah she was very and new he new. was explaining to her um, and the others in the class well let's take a step back and understand what it what it means to to sweep someone because w- w- what she was what she was uh, I guess struggling with was or at least not I wouldn't say struggling what, what she was doing is she was getting in close guard and she had a tendency to disconnect with the opponent prematurely mm-hmm. so then her guard would get passed she wouldn't have, she wouldn't secure grips or necessarily um, have foot placement on hips so she would just open her guard in a such a way where you're basically facilitating the pass okay. for your opponent as opposed to opening your guard in order to move on to another step so okay. once kind of Chris explained the notion of have like even though you know you're new and you might not have many ideas 
try to have at least one idea in your mind and and when you open your guard there's a purpose behind it you're not just opening your guard for the sake of opening your guard but the the interesting part of the story for me was he was like well let's understand like the concepts of the sweep is like you have a post if you remove the post you can topple them over that side so he he literally just used those basic concepts and then asked the students to invent sweeps from an open guard position where you had feet and on the hips. I think that's the art of it, right? So they like, basically yeah. ended up doing kind of like a, a quasi like scissor sweep, right? But it was in it was quote invented as opposed to here here are the steps to doing a scissor sweep. So it's sort of like the heuristics of jujitsu moves, so that you can play and invent them. So if you know the core concepts, you can invent moves on the fly without having no specific okay, techniques. So my question to you would be... So that's what I witnessed. I don't know what to no, do. No, no, that no, plays yeah. a role in the curriculum. I don't know. But that was just something I saw that I thought was very interesting. So that's the only thing I can speak of from experience. To the larger question you said, I mean, I don't, I don't know. You so don't I'm, know not gonna, right. I'm not going to speak for him. Yeah, I um, but like, so obviously for individual student retention, that's excellent way of teaching somebody. Is it the most efficient to teach a multitude of students to say hey we're going to start in this position figure it out I mean probably the correct answer for me is I don't know yet and I might not ever and know and I don't think there is a correct answer though right yeah but I, again I mean I know a lot of times I've, I've already heard myself saying and I'll keep saying it's like as a you know two years in this it's not like I have much experience so I'm a little hesitant to come out with a strong opinion I'm curious as to what it is because it may change, right? Like, and yeah, I, like no, obviously, and I, I think that's the thing. As long as we all know, it's like, look, my opinion certainly can change, and, and here's why. But I think, in terms of learning, I feel like it's it's like any new thing. Um, it's got a learning curve, and it actually reminds me a lot of software engineering because, and I think in a way, jujitsu can be likened to a language because if you're learning a new language. Mm -hmm. um, and, and when you study computer science, you're essentially learning programming, and then you learn some of the hardware mechanics behind that. But at its core, one of the key skills you develop is how to program, which is using a programming language. So when you start programming, if you don't have any prior experience, which in my case I didn't, I was very tech-inclined, but I had never really programmed or dabbled with it before, um, we don't say it's a learning curve, it's a learning cliff. You just run right into it. And then eventually you kind of get over that initial being overwhelmed mm -hmm. because you're just overwhelmed with so much. There's, so there's no, no onboarding? Well, I mean, the, 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 it, you can actually go and talk to academics and they're still wrestling with how do you best teach computer science to... Really? Well, I it's, mean, a, it's, it's such a, a new it's, it's new and it's so rapidly evolving. So it's like, what's the ideal programming language? People would say, you know, when I learned to a C++, then it became Java, but... You know, that's without going too deep into the weeds, that's something that that's an object oriented programming language. And there's all this extra overhead where if you want to just talk about key concepts like what's a conditional statement, which is an if then if this condition is true, do this. Yeah. Otherwise, do that. Um, but bottom line is it's it's a it's a something it's a subject matter where you get thrown a lot of shit at the beginning and you're going to be like kind of in a sink not a sink or swim but you're going to be overwhelmed for a little bit i think jujitsu is the same thing there's we, really hard yeah, to funnel people this, it's yeah. really hard to to funnel people in like think about it you put a guy first day you show him close guard they stay in close guard the person passes their guard and now they're in a position they have no idea what to do let alone they don't even know the name of it 
So I think jujitsu is the same thing in that sense, where it's like a language. Same thing when I learned Spanish. It's like, I don't speak any other language. And it's a Latin-based language, so grammatically, th- sentences are constructed differently than English. So it's like, you're overwhelmed at first until somehow, and this is the magic of it, I, I, in my head, it's like you create like this little foundation. And then suddenly you can associate with that foundation and right. then the, the sh- in, in, a, in a way you can throw shit at it and it sticks you're, you're fluent in Spanish correct uh, I, as I like to say I can defend myself but I lived in, in Spain well, for two years oh uh, high purple low brown like high purple, high purple really? brown okay so yeah. like because I don't know what I, but bottom line is I lived in Spain for two years I lived in Colombia for another six years or not six years six months and I could go, I can go there. I can open a bank account. I can live. Okay. You know, I can do the the day to day. Do you think in Spanish at all? Just out of when I'm there, yes. Really? So it's very like environment based. Yeah, absolutely. Like you literally, like, cause and I, my accent will change. Like if I hang out with Spanish friends, I'll yeah, have the yeah. Spanish accent. I hang out with Colombian friends. So you do the friends. Mackenzie Dern. Yes, I do. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I completely morph. <laughs> <Do you> with, <laughs> absolutely. Southern California absolutely. girl like, suddenly needs a English to Portuguese translator. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting, right? Because like I, English is my second language. I learned Vietnamese first in the house. Really? Yeah. I did so, not know this. Yeah, so like it's it's <laughs> funny because like there are times when, like my my parents were very big on like assimilation. Like you know they were 1975 off the boat. Like by definition, like fob Vietnamese kids right? or uh, young adults at that time. Um, so like at the time they were also big on as first generation Americans. My sister and me, like. It's and where did like, you grow up? I grew, I was born in California. Okay. Um, in Los Angeles, uh, moved to Florida when I was like five. So I'm, okay. I'm, I'm really a Floridian, right? Um, but so like English was my second language because we were spoken to in Vietnamese. We had family nearby. My grandparents lived with us. That whole deal. And um, but my parents were also big on assimilation. Like they were like, you know, to be successful in this country, you need to learn English and blah blah. blah. And hang out with white kids and that sort of thing and they were sort of like the anti-fob because there's there's they want you to integrate yeah very very much so but like even now even though I don't speak I'm not fluent by any means anymore I can understand conversational no problem and I'll I'll find myself when I'm in an environment for long enough like a day or two I'll be able to like start my brain starts thinking in Vietnamese again sure which is kind of an interesting thing that's why I asked you that so um but so okay so going back to that thing now uh, I forgot what Chris's um, lineage was so it was his uh, his school is an affiliation of of uh, Mass BJJ I believe I don't Massachusetts re- Massachusetts BJJ I think, I I think it's called the, Mass BJJ yeah. um, I don't recall off the top of my head the um, how, how it goes up but there's a third degree black belt his name oh Mike Pellegrino is the name of the black belt I, is he related to Kurt Pellegrino like the UFC fighter no idea uh, I'm, I'm curious Could be. Anyways, yeah. I think it's the same spelling of the last name and I mean it's just the, the water brand right yeah so he will go there periodically to or at least what he told me is, is go there to kind of check in and train but again like I thought it was interesting and that's his calibration right like that dude assesses him sort of yeah but what's interesting okay. is they don't have promotions like we do where like set days like summer promotions right, right, winter yeah. promotions they just promote December 7th by the way yeah December 7th um, that's interesting because like so this kind of led me to 
I had asked you the other day, what are your thoughts on the idea of Creonche? Because we listen to the uh, the Keenest podcast a lot, oh, yeah. right? And like, and so that's a very a touchy, not not touchy, but it's extremely touchy within jujitsu, right? Yeah. Like the idea of Creonche. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I, like I said, I think it's I think we're going to see more and more instances of it. If well, not if as jiu-jitsu continues to evolve more into the sport areas because in sport this idea of loyalty to uh, a school is not weighted as highly and it's not frowned upon you mean like the idea of like a free agent trading teams like that sort of thing at, at, so at that level you could say that like oh you know lebron james has played for all the like he has he didn't stay in miami he didn't stay in cleveland now he's in la like he's bounced around uh, less about that, more just about the development of an athlete. It's commonplace for them to switch schools, to almost maybe grow out of one school and go to another school and work their way up. Just think about a football. Don't don't think about free agents as a professional playing for a team, because that would be more akin to um, a guy saying, "I'm going to leave the death squad and go Train represent with, uh, Alliance or represent yeah, Atos." Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about. To me, that this whole thing hinges on. You start training at a school, you put in some time there, and let's eliminate the, uh, there's a disagreement you left. It's more of a, I feel like I can get more elsewhere for my growth, so I'm going to go elsewhere. That, to me, is the situation where that might be frowned upon, whereas in the sports world, whether or not the current coach is pissed about some sort of loyalty thing, and I do think loyalty is very important. Sure. Like I'm a big believer in that. But I'm also a big believer that if that relationship is pure, the coach of, let's say, that gym that the athlete wants to leave should also know that the athlete should be moving on and should be happy for them. If there's truly a, a care and right. love in that relationship, they should, that coach should actually, as much as they don't want to see the athlete go, they know it's what's best for the, it's athlete. Best for the athlete. And it's not as though that they're not still a part of that athlete's journey. You know, their formation as an athlete, as a practitioner of their sport, as a practitioner of jiu-jitsu, was formed a big part of what happened in that gym over whatever period of time they spent there. So I think with sports and the fact that people are always trying to find the best training and broaden their skill set, and jiu-jitsu is very much a no one knows everything, and if you want to broaden your game, you probably have to go to a lot of places where people excel at different skill sets or different techniques. If you want to go learn, learn worm guard, you can't go anywhere else but see Keenan or Keenan yeah. online, according to him, because while well, he didn't originate, he claims that you know what. But he's, he developed the system. He right? developed the system. What he what he see what he claims is what he sees other people teach worm guard, but he's not. They're not teaching it correctly. They're not propagating it properly. That's a side point, but I think that whole loyalty thing. I get it, um, especially since. Uh, I spent some time in Brazil, and I think there's a cultural aspect to it as well. And I think it's very laudable and, and very respectable. But I think as more people become sports people, sports oriented, and becomes more of a sport versus an art, then I think you're going to see it, and it's going to either continue to cause problems, or people will just chalk it up to more more commonplace. I think because of the traditional martial arts aspect of it, it's it's never going to go away. Right? Probably not. Probably not. But unless okay, so. schools change. Unless they become less dojo and more sports academy. Yeah, that's true. Okay, th yeah, that's true. But like, for example, though, I mean, like, it's such a. Okay, along the same lines, then. 
how much do you put weight into the idea of lineage? Okay, so let me just go back one, one thing. Just one the, the example I was going to say that I got sidetracked on because I get sidetracked on these things is if you look at a college athlete that plays football, uh-huh. okay, he had a coach for peewee football. Then he had a different coach in high school. Then he had a okay. different coach in college. And then if he made it to the pros, he had a different coach. So just the natural progression of that athlete from amateur, from child to amateur to competitor to pro, he by definition went through a bunch of coaches. But Whereas if you look in jujitsu in a traditional sense, you would do that entire path in, in one, one school. Place. But there's also not the infrastructure right now for that. But like but that's going back to your point about the jujitsu being extremely young. Correct. Sport. I'm not saying they're exactly the same, but yeah. I'm just in terms of mindset, what's commonplace in another sport when you look at it again I'm using the word sport here and I know that jiu-jitsu is also considered martial arts but yeah. there's a sport aspect to it that's kind of the example I want to say in terms of where it's commonplace for people to have multiple coaches as they progress forward that's less so I believe in jiu-jitsu that's but a very western thing too I think absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely um, so like along the same lines right um, similarly what are you how much weight do you put behind so like you're you're a blue belt now. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've been training for two years. You go to fucking bumfuck Kansas somewhere, right? Yeah. And you're looking for a gym, you find one. How much weight do you put behind the the the, the seven pictures that are hanging be, you know, with uh the lineage tracing straight back to Jigoro Kano for that guy? How much does that matter to you? Uh zero. Zero, like literally zero. I mean, zero in terms of how I'm going to develop as a jujitsu practitioner. I think it's I think it's awesome to to showcase that and to honor that and to know your roots. But um, you know what Helio was teaching the you know the teacher of the teacher of the teacher that's teaching someone in the gym. Right. I, that has no impact. Like what matters is is how good is the coach. To me, all that matters is how good of a student you are if you're, as you're learning. I think you always are going to be learning just in life. And then what kind of teacher you have. If you have a, a coach that you get along with, you have a good rapport with, that you are learning from, that's all that matters. And lineage plays uh, the historical significance. or, or the his, That whole lineage, I think, plays no role. Unless, I mean, certainly that coach learned some of his coaching habits or her coaching habits from the person or persons that coach them but lineage is such a small percentage of that influence you know so i think it's cool i think it's good to know history but for me developing a student it's i don't think it's important do you feel there's a little bit of a little bit of excessive hero worship that's starting up in jiu-jitsu i don't don't think i've been around long enough to make comments on that I'll, i'll flip that back to you what do you think on that I think what's interesting about jiu-jitsu is the original idea of it was that jiu-jitsu was king, right? Like that um, at the end of the day, all jiu-jitsu fighters were fighting for jiu-jitsu and its effectiveness against other martial arts. And the idea that it was developed under almost like using like the scientific method, you know, of just like constantly tested against other arts constantly you know modified because of that where it failed you know they add to the repertoire subtract from the repertoire that sort of thing um to me was like the purest idea of like competition in terms of like jujitsu itself 
And now as it's entering its third or fourth generation of lineage, to go back to that, um, I you're starting to see this like faction sort of stuff developing where um, one of the cool things about the older generation of Jiu-Jitsu there wasn't that deification. And that was a very traditional martial arts thing, you know? And Jiu-Jitsu sort of flew in the face of tradition. And now, as maybe those gentlemen are getting older, they're sort of like expecting to be like deified. And that's, I, I, I have a little bit of an issue with that. And it's sort of... Um, Do you think that's just a result of what they saw transpire with the previous generation that's just kind of a generational I thing? I don't know. Or I don't know if it's just honestly just really good marketing. You know, like to just all these like associations. Like I'm not, I'm not big on the association thing. Like, are you how familiar with the associations? And stuff I mean, I'm familiar. You? There's the IBJJF, and then there's the one that Hickson did. That no, but like associations of like gyms. Like, oh. what is your thought on that? Because like that kind of that kind of leads. No, into I'm the, not. The, I'm not that experienced on that. You're gonna have to enlighten me on that. I just I don't. We're I, not talking about like franchises. No, no, correct, correct. Not not like. Like how to be a like an affiliate of a gym, you know, like to be able to put like a Henzo Gracie sticker mm-hmm. on your, you know, like, like that's a, a affiliation mm-hmm. or an association, however you want to call that. I, I just, I'm not sure how much that sort of stuff matters. Well, I mean, you like talking about how Gracie Baja, if you do want to have that logo on your gym, one of the things that students going in whether they know it or not is that those instructors have to know cpr right yeah like which are very good standard operating procedures and sure you know. so in terms of uh i think it would be a little extreme to say a turnkey solution for gym owners but if a if a gym has a successful formula then at least from a gym owner's point of view i don't see the harm in paying money for a franchise, for a logo, if it comes with support, some value. support, yeah. Now, I think I, I'm sure that there's situations where that support isn't there, and you're basically buying the value of a marketing tool and a known brand. You're like, yeah, I have yeah. Gracie in front of my gym name. Gracie's a a familiar name, you know. So that's going to depend, and that's now we're going into area where I'm not that familiar with. I don't know the reputations of these different associations and 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 whatnot. But in and of itself, I don't see the harm. But it's like anything. It's like if it's applied well with with good intentions, with talented people and the right people, then a system's going to be good. If you have a good system with shitty people, don't give a shit about one another. It's going to be terrible. Like you know, I'll go back to I'll go back to software engineering when I had an industry job. You know, it seemed like the manager was always coming in with, we're going to adopt a new software development system, you know, as if the system was going to cure whatever issues we had as a team. Whereas, in fact, I was a big believer at you got to reevalu the team and the talent and just the interest and work ethic of, of our team members. Because if you have a good, a good team with a good work ethic, it doesn't matter what system you have. Whereas a system's not going to fix lazy people. But it's like, no, we're going to have a daily stand-up and we're going to communicate and we're going to like, in 10 minutes, we're going to pass the ball between each other and you're going to give us a quick 30-second download of what you are do- what you did yesterday, what you're doing today, and what you want to do for the rest of the week. And we're going to do that every morning at 10 a.m. So everyone's got their cup of coffee and they're sitting around the table 
and they're just going through the motions, you know? So that was a part of your, yeah, that was part of my job. Now I actually, I, most of the people I worked with, I, I liked them and, and, and you know, they're awesome people. I'm not saying that they were lazy. I'm just saying it was very vote. And I'm, I'm sure it's still in vogue. Cause I talked to people in industry that were not at my company, whereas managers were always trying to find the new solution to make their team's productivity go higher. Cause at the end of the day, they're the interface between the developers, the people, the engineers that are creating and the people with the money, the, the ownership. And they're in this awkward battle of the ownership saying, we want more productivity. And then the managers have to go to the people that, that are making stuff and say, you need to be more productive. So now suddenly people become resources and you're looking at what's called a velocity. So velocity, right? It's so like, what's this velocity? And I'm looking, it's like, wait, we're resources here. We're talking about velocity. So it's, it, again, I'm going on a tangent here and people are like, we want to talk about jujitsu, not we are, software right. development. But the idea is, is yeah, it's, um, you, it, it comes down to, I believe, just like, you know, the merits and qualities and work ethic of individuals. And if you get a good core group of people, then you have a great gym environment, you know? And that's kind of what I was talking to you is like, I realized, I noticed recently, it's like when we lost a couple people, I didn't notice immediately, but when I thought about it over time, it's like, damn, that, that's kind of affected the, the quality of the classes. Like, losing JB, losing sure. guys like Chihuahua, it's like, um, those are the two guys that come to mind. We just lost Michelle, and that's another one. It's like, when you lose, they don't just have to be good grapplers, but in those cases, they're all three good grapplers, but it's like yeah. people that train regularly, that have great attitudes, that bring a level of seriousness to the gym, J, uh, JB, nice guy, but you know, when, when you're on the mats, it's all business when, when it comes to roles, you know? I think that's good for class. A guy like Chihuahua, who it, it is in his own way is a bit of a spaz, but he's gonna go pojada every time, and he loves jujitsu. Like, you couldn't find a guy, like that guy was, was showing a, oh, a yeah, video, yeah. Art of, bro, 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 check out this Art of Jiu-Jitsu video, dude. Like, bro, yeah. check this out. Like, <laughs> bro, like he's trying, he's checking everything, but people like that um, elevate the class and the gym so what I'm kind of fascinated by is how do gym owners how do coaches cultivate a culture that raises the collective level of mm. the classes and the and the gym so like the I quality. think so that's the thing right like do you because I'd have to ask. I'd have to talk to Bob about this, but there's a distinct difference between running a martial arts school versus running a martial arts business, right? And and for the most part, also, um, I think there's sort of like a third category of that now. Of honestly, what we've done a very very good job of here is this sort of tribe, communal gym atmosphere, right? Um, and I think the sort of like approach that we're taking here is honestly akin to what you see at like more like a CrossFit gym than a traditional martial arts school and um, or a, a martial arts business like where you look at this sort of like very sales like upgrading and blah blah, blah like when you think of like a, like a McDojo um, and, and a big part of that is the culture right and finding the niche um, so that, that's sort of going back to my question the other day about accessibility of a gym or, or of a martial arts school on jiu-jitsu how do you foster or sorry I'll just go I'll try to answer your question um, I think a big part of what Paul has done here and what we're, we've done here at our gym is um, 
is the fact that like a lot of places like the martial arts schools in particular there's a sort of like discipline end that's like associated with it right where everything's sort of like a little bit more militaristic i think that comes with the eastern martial arts background of a lot of things um but and and sort of like squelching figurehead type behavior like that you know the people who sort of like naturally become not leaders but naturally become sort of like people that other people will gravitate towards and and one thing i think that was really cool was like fostering that like what's you know like letting everybody be the best person they can be right like cuz like as to opposed to, to to try to try to squelch and demonize like Chihuahua, love him or hate him, you know he was. We insane. love Chihuahua. No, we do, right? Like, like I, and I'll fully admit, sometimes he would annoy the shit out of me, but I would tell him. But to that's his face, a it's a lovable thing, oh, right? Like, and because we one one thing that that Paul is really good about here is you should never apologize to be yourself. You know, like, and he never makes anybody feel bad for being them. The other thing he does. Um, and I don't know if he realizes it, but it, it's in a way it's kind of subtle. In a way it's not, but I think it goes a long way. If you look at his social media for the gym, it's all about the members of the gym, and it's very little yes. about him. And if you look yes. at the Instagram profiles or social media profiles of a lot of other of, of other gyms, uh, after a while I stopped following them because it was more it's a personality based gym. It was right? more like yeah. an update on the head coach who's famous, as opposed to. Look at this two-stripe blue belt who just got her third stripe. Or look at... I mean, how many times do we post, congratulations to so-and-so, you just got your first stripe on your white belt. Right. Like, that's putting the members first. It's also making them want to follow the Instagram because they get exactly. that little validation, that Going little pat on back the back. to your question for me a while back, that's a big part of it too, right? Like, because a lot of people don't want to... Like, many people are comfortable taking fucking gym selfies and stuff like that, right? But, like, somebody... Like Amanda, who I think has probably grown considerably personality-wise, because she's a sort of like demure, like very dainty, you know, like she's got her own little feistiness about her now. And and I'm not sure, I don't know how big of a part of jujitsu is in her life. We are, but like I'd imagine she wouldn't have grown to be a lot more outgoing had she not been here. You know, where we've helped raise her. And, 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 you know, bring her out of her shell a little bit. Well, I think everybody that sticks with, well, I think anyone that does jujitsu is going to have an impact on them. And I sure. think the people that come into this gym are going to grow. Sometimes that growth is more noticeable than others. But at the end of the day, jujitsu is so much fun and you meet, it. in my opinion, it attracts an interesting cast of characters. Yes, that we're all crazy. For me, are more um, congruent with. Let's put it this way: I'm more likely to connect with another person that does jujitsu, not only because we have the common thread of jujitsu, but it seems to attract people of similar interests of mine. I've encountered a lot of travelers, a lot of people that like to hike. Uh, I've, I've encountered people that play video games, like. People talk about, well, nerd culture in and of itself is becoming more and more mainstream. Oh, it yeah. is mainstream now. Dude, they have their, they sell out stadiums. Exactly, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got League of Legends tournaments selling out the uh, the LA Lakers I'll arena in LA. I'll always call it Defense the Engines, thank you. <laughs> but the, um, 
the bottom line, and, and Eddie Bravo calls them uh, nerd assassins. Right, right, yeah. The nerd assassins. But at the end of the day, for me personally, me, Noah, this is just a strictly personal thing. Like, I found a, a subgroup, a niche that by and large is more uh, in line with my way of thinking. There's, there's a health consciousness here. You know, people want to jujitsu partly is for health reasons yeah, yeah being and in then, shape yeah because most people join for what three reasons number one self-defense mm-hmm. right fitness mm-hmm. or i can't even think of what the third option would be or just like you know d- d- discipline camaraderie whatever sure. the case is right like the social the end of well things. definitely social like i know a number of people have joined this gym for the social aspect but of they it. didn't come here first for that no i they think did. that's what they keeps did. us they really did. really they come here i'm curious if, uh, uh, like I mean, we'd have to elaborate with them, but I think just like CrossFit, I'm starting to see why. Starting, even though I don't do CrossFit, I've had some experience with it, but I'm, I understand the allure of CrossFit more now. Yes, because yes, of yes. the time I've spent. And it's in an the big accountability partner thing, right? Like it's just that community, you, you know. the training with one another, but the community thing is the big thing. Having something in common, seeing regular faces. You know, Paul talks about it a lot in his advertising. The third place. Which is like we're either at home or at work, or, and if we're healthy, we have a third place, you know. And that's a whole societal thing. That's a whole other can right. of worms. But um, you, you shouldn't hate being at home or at work. No, ideally, right? no. Like, yeah, no. But I mean, if you look at European countries, it's like there are a lot more common spaces where society like a congregates. A pub, like or, a local or, pub, or, or just yeah. think about people playing dominoes and like old old grandpas playing, you know, dominoes in the park, where they would meet up every day. So that's just. I mean, that's a side you know, it's, it's funny, thing. too, because, like, I don't know if I talked about this earlier, but, like, I, I used to give my wife, like, a lot of shit about, like, wanting to join, um, like, an L.A. fitness or something, right? Because she's like, oh, they have, like, group fucking aerobics classes sure. and that sort of shit. And I'd be like, I'm not fucking paying for a gym membership when we literally have a power rack and lifting platform at home. Like, wh- wh- why are we paying for anything, right? And now that, like, she's stuck at home all day with our kid and that sort of thing. And, you know, I, I sort of step back. I'm like, man, like, I don't do jiu-jitsu purely because I I just want to get in shape and just, like, it's just what I enjoy. Like, I'm here because, like, you know, 95% of my friends are jiu-jitsu guys, right? Like, people I know from the gym. Who do I hang out with? If you look at my Facebook friends, you know, like, probably 75% of them easily are jiu-jitsu people. And then, like, the other 25% are fucking work or high school or whatever. Um, or college. But... Like, all she's looking for, too, isn't necessarily just to get a workout with these group fitness classes. She's looking for her tribe, essentially, right? Like, exactly. And that's where I've, I'm like, I had to step back and realize, I'm like, man, like, I'm, I'm being awful hypocritical by denying her that when, you know, this is a vehicle for my f- social life also and denying her a vehicle for her social life as well. I, it, that's probably one of the strongest points. But I think, though, I mean, like, I think the gym culture is bigger is a bigger draw or bigger point of retention than drawing people in though I would say because I'm, I'm curious as to who what type of person sits there and goes I'm looking to hang out with people oh this jiu-jitsu place is, looks cool I, I definitely like I would tend to agree that it's probably a I want to try something new to make new friends but that new thing that you're trying whether it's CrossFit, whether it's Jiu-Jitsu, has to Fulfill appeal certain... to you, has to, well, I don't know, pleasantly surprise you or appeal to you for you to keep coming back. Sure. You're not going to do something 
strictly for the social aspect of it. I, at least I hope not. I'm sure there are people that do that. Oh yeah, I mean, that do something they go hate. to church, right? Like people are assholes, wow. they still go to church. <laughs> so, I mean, I think um, yeah, I think the people that let's say have joined this gym because they they told me like, oh, I wanted to meet new friends, have definitely stuck around because really? they love jujitsu. And they want to get their blue belt. They want to get their purple. Oh, yeah, yeah. They want to get their brown belt. You know, so. It's, but but uh, joining here because of making meeting new people. Yeah, but if you think about it, it kind of makes sense because how many people know jujitsu that well before they do it? So in their that's mind, true, yeah, yeah, in your yeah, mind, yeah. it's like, what's the? Well, I have a chance to meet new friends and. Yeah, who wants to? Who who really gets into any new endeavor where it's like a solo activity? Really? Yeah, like even you know, even hiking and stuff. You're you're not by yourself half the time. You're with somebody else. Yeah. Um. So, what uh, what are you working on right now? What's your what's your goal today in class? Uh, my goal today is not get hurt by this guy right here. There we go, the injury so. master. He joins us finally. I appreciate the call out. Oh, it's, yeah, see. So Jamie is here. Jamie, uh, you look close we're to literally mic. wrapping up because we have to train. He's, he's in his gi and he's giving us the stink eye. Yeah, he's giving us the stink eye. But yeah, we've called out Jamie a couple times already. Uh, record, e- I didn't hear nobody. <laughs> oh, you, oh, you! I just happened to be teaching class. You, you're doing like you, you're doing like the reverse "give a man a fish" thing, though, right? Like you're setting up the environment for it to happen. <laughs> like, say hi, man. What's going on, guys? Quick introduction, Jamie. Uh, most of you guys know me. I've been in this academy for. I've been in this academy for about. No, you move yourself. Don't move the mic. Come on, man. I've been here <laughs> for about ten high. years. Ten years now, How and uh, ten. Ten started years? training 2011 well nine years almost, he's the almost. centennial yeah uh, I've been training with Paul since day one and uh, you started with with the MMA and no actually I started in New Jersey at Tiger Showman's for a year and a half shout doing out hashtag hashtag Tiger Showman's <laughs> uh, I did uh, no gi over there and I did uh, kickboxing then when I moved down to Orlando I was I took a break for about eight months until I found Paul first day I went to the academy Paul told me the owner wasn't there <laughs> wasn't there. Yeah. I went in there Paul was like oh no the owner is not here he's like come back tomorrow I was like okay <laughs> Paul was the owner Paul's scale, sales skills have grown considerably since uh, 10 years ago um, but I came back the next day and uh, I've been training with Paul since then been doing Jiu Jitsu since 2011 brown belt now and still so you came in as a white belt I came in as a white belt okay yeah. I, was, I did, I did uh, no gi for about Three months before I picked up the gi, though. So honestly, I thought. Did you realize you hated getting staph infection? No, I real. I I just wanted to try. It. I hated. It. Yo, gi looked so gay. I'm sorry. <laughs> hang on, <laughs> hang on. Let's 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 take a step back. So gi, you're saying look gayer than rolling around. Yeah, like with how I'm dressed right now. <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it just. I saw people. I was like, this just doesn't appeal to me. Until one day I actually tried it, and I just got hooked to it. Now I do. I haven't done no gi in like two years. Yeah. That's the, so that's when the I and when I do no gi, I, I freak out because I have nothing to grab on. <laughs> so, um, to as we as we shut this down, I did have a question for bo- the both of you guys. Okay. And it's an interesting one, I think. Um, I'll start with you, Jamie. How many people, uh, when you go back, that were in your class, so to speak, your cohort, like white belts around the same time, have stuck around to where you are? Um, just one. One. Yeah. Really? Just Matt Cabrera. That's the only person I remember. From that time period. That, I mean, aside of Caroline, but she's, sure. she's Who, who are girlfriend. still training to this day. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, now I'm, and and that could maybe even be they're not here, but they're training somewhere else. But that that's that's kind of the thing I wanted to get to. And Chris, oh, in your so opinion, we're talking about attrition rate. Yeah, but that we can save that for the next show. But okay, I just want to. Um, however, you want to define it. Like these are the people that I remember I can coming think in of with people. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out to them because they've been yeah, sticking through this this long, right? Kevin Culp, he's yeah. a black belt at Gracie Baja. Earl Helms, who is my original sort of like training partner. Okay, and then the, the other question is, how many people do you think were in your cohort when you started? You named three people. Oh, my God. My, my blue belt class alone was 30, 30 40 people. Okay, what about you, Jamie? How many photo. people do you remember back then, those white belt classes? Uh, my roommate, Tim, he, uh, we started together. We, had, we actually got a blue belt. belt, right? No, we got a blue belt the same day, and then he just vanished. <laughs> he said he's coming back, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, then we had a bunch of the white belts in my class. It's been so long, I don't even remember the name. But just, no, no, you didn't have, I, but like roughly a number. How many people do you think? I remember taking my, back then, the MMA uh, test and then in the grappling test. Sure. We're at least 20 people. There you yeah, go. None of them are here. 20 people, yeah. So like the next episode, we're going to have to talk yeah. about attrition rate with jiu-jitsu. Why is it like that? And if it's a good thing. I think, well, just to, yeah, and we'll close Spoiler. That. <laughs> I, I think it's across the board with all sports. That's true. But they say, like, like what? It's like 1% of people that start jiu-jitsu get a black belt. I think that's it sounds... Like, I, I, it, first sounds off, I fucking hate that meme. <laughs> and especially when it's posted by some bullshit fucking board breaker. Um, <laughs> but anyways, go on. <laughs> Until then, right? Until then. But it, yeah, we got five minutes to class, so we're going to throw in our keys. Yeah, I don't want and, to uh, give us the stink eye. Either. Yeah, and actually start training. So thank you, guys. Jamie, thanks for joining us. Oops. No Oops. We're never doing that again. Yeah, oh, never God. Doing again. <laughs>